When we last left off, the Gryffindor team found out that Snape would be refereeing the next Quidditch game. This was a big disappointment to the team because they did not believe that Snape would judge the game fairly. Let's get started. Which was all very well, thought Harry, but he had another reason for not wanting Snape near him while he was playing Quidditch. The rest of the team hung back to talk to one another as usual at the end of practice, but Harry headed straight back to the Gryffindor common room where he found Ron and Hermione playing chess. Chess was the only thing Hermione ever lost at, something Harry and Ron thought was very good for her. Don't talk to me for a moment, said Ron when Harry sat down next to him. I need to consent. He caught sight of Harry's face. What's the matter with you? You look terrible. Speaking quietly so that no one else could hear, Harry told the other two about Snape's sudden, sinister desire to be Quidditch referee. Don't play, said Hermione at once. Say you're ill, said Ron. Pretend to break your leg, Hermione suggested. Really break your leg, said Ron. I can't, said Harry. There isn't a reserve seeker. If I back out, Gryffindor can't play at all. At that moment, Neville toppled into the common room. How he had managed to climb through the portrait hole was anyone's guess, because his legs had been stuck together with what they recognized at once as the Lake Walker curse. He must have had to bunny hop all the way up to Gryffindor Tower. Everyone fell over laughing, except Hermione, who leapt up and performed the counter curse. Neville's legs sprang apart and he got to his feet, trembling. What happened? Hermione asked him leaning him over to sit with Harry and Ron. Malfoy, said Neville shakily. I met him outside the library. He said he'd been looking for someone to practice that on. Go to Professor McGonagall, Hermione urged Neville. Report him. Neville shook his head. I I don't want any more trouble, he mumbled. You've got to stand up to him, Neville, said Ron. He's used to walking all over people, but that's no reason to lie down in front of him and make it easier. There's no need to tell me I'm not brave enough to be in Gryffindor. Malfoy's already done that, Neville choked out. Harry felt in in the pocket of his robes and pulled out a chocolate frog, the very last one from the box Hermione had given him from Christmas. He gave it to Neville, who looked as though he might cry. You're worth twelve of Malfoy. Harry said. The sorting hat chose you for Gryffindor, didn't it? And where's Malfoy? In stinking Slytherin? Neville's lips twitched in in a weak smile and he unwrapped the frog. Thanks, Harry. I think I'll go to bed. Do you want to... Do you want the card? You collect them, don't you? As Neville walked away, Harry looked at the famous wizard card. Dumbledore again, he said. He was the first one I ever... He gasped. He stared at the back of the card. Then he looked up at Ron and Hermione. I found him, he whispered. I found Flamel. I told you I'd read the name somewhere before. I read it on the train coming here. Listen to this. Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945 for the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Hermione jumped to her feet. She hadn't looked so excited since they'd gotten back the marks for their very first piece of homework. Stay there, she said, and she sprinted up to the stairs to the girls' dormitories. Harry and Ron barely had time to exchange mystified looks 
before she was dashing back, an enormous old book in her arms. I never thought to look in here, she whispered excitedly. I got this out of the library weeks ago for a bit of light reading. Light? said Ron, but Hermione told him to be quiet until she looked something up and started flicking frantically through the pages, muttering to herself. At last she found what she was looking for. I knew it! I knew it! Are we allowed to speak yet? said Ron grumpily. Hermione ignored him. Nicholas Flamel, she whispered dramatically, is the only known maker of the Sorceress Stone. They didn't quite have the effort. Um, This didn't quite have the effect she'd expected. The what? said Harry and Ron. Oh, honestly, don't you two read. Look, read that. There. She pushed the book toward them, and Harry and Ron read. The ancient study of alchemy is concerned with making the Sorceress Stone, a legendary substance with astonishing powers. The stone will transform any metal into pure gold. It also produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. There have been many reports of the Sorcerer's Stone over centuries, but the only stone currently in existence belongs to Mr. Nicholas Flamel, the noted alchemist and opera lover. Mr. Flamel, who celebrated his 665th birthday last year, enjoys a quiet life in Devon with his wife, Perennial. 658. See, said Hermione, when Harry and Ron had finished. The dog must be guarding Flamel's sorcerer's stone. I bet uh, he asked Dumbledore to keep it safe for him, because they're friends and he knew someone was after it. That's why he wanted the stone moved out of Gringotts. A stone that makes gold and stops you from ever dying, said Harry. No wonder Snape's after it. Anyone would want it. No wonder we couldn't find Flamel in the study of recent developments in wizardry, said Ron. He's not exactly recent if he's 665, is he? The next morning, in defense against the dark arts, while copying down different ways of treating werewolf fights, Harry and Ron were still discussing what they'd do with the Sorcerer's Stone if they had one. It wasn't until Ron said he'd buy his own Quidditch team that Harry remembered about Snape coming to the match. I'm going to play he told Ron and Hermione. If I don't, all the Slytherins will think I'm just too scared to face Snape. I'll show them. It'll really wipe the smiles off their faces if we win. Just as long as we're not wiping you off the field, said Hermione. As the match drew nearer, however, Harry became more and more nervous, whatever he told Ron and Hermione. The rest of the team wasn't too calm either. The idea of overtaking Slytherin in the house championship was wonderful. No one had done it in seven years. But would they be allowed to? With such a biased referee? Harry didn't know whether he was imagining it or not, but he seemed to be running into Snape wherever he went. At times, he even wondered whether Snape was following him, trying to catch him on his own. Potion's lessons were turning into sort of a weekly torture. Snape was so horrible to Harry. Could Snape possibly know they'd found out about the Sorcerer's Stone? Harry didn't see how he could, yet sometimes he had this horrible feeling that Snape could read minds. Harry knew when they wished him good luck outside their locker room that afternoon that Ron and Hermione were wondering whether they'd ever see him alive again. 
This wasn't what you'd call comforting. Harry hardly heard a word of Wood's pep talk as he pulled on his Quidditch ropes and picked up his Nimbus 2000. Ron and Hermione, meanwhile, had found a place in the stands next to Neville, who couldn't understand why they looked so grim and worried, or why they had both brought their wands to the game. Little did Harry know that Ron and Hermione had been secretly practicing the leg locker curse. They'd gotten the idea from Malfoy using it on Neville, and were ready to use it on Snape if he showed any sign of wanting to hurt Harry. Now don't forget, it's locomotor mortis, Hermione muttered, as Ron slipped his wand up his sleeve. I know, Ron snapped. Don't nag. Back in the locker room, Wood had taken Harry aside. Don't want to pressure you, Potter, but if we ever needed an early capture of the snitch, it's now. Finish the game before Snape can favor Hufflepuff too much. The whole school's out there, said Fred Weasley, peering out of the door. Even, blimey, Dumbledore's come to watch. Harry's heart did a somersault. Dumbledore, he said, dashing to the door to make sure. Fred was right. There was no mistaking that silver beard. Harry could have laughed out loud with relief. He was safe. There was simply no way that Snape would dare to try to hurt him if Dumbledore was watching. Perhaps that was why Snape was looking so angry as the teams marched onto the field, something that Ron noticed too. I've never seen Snape look so mean, he told Hermione. Look, they're off. Ouch. Someone had poked Ron in the back of the head. It was Malfoy. Oh, sorry, Weasley. Didn't see you there. Malfoy grinned broadly at Crab and Goyle. Wonder how long Potter's going to stay on his broom this time. Anyone want to bet? What about you, Weasley? Ron didn't answer. Snape had just awarded Hufflepuff a penalty because George Weasley had hit a bludger at him. Hermione, who had all her fingers crossed in her lap, was squinting fixedly at Harry, who was circling the game like a hawk, looking for the snitch. You know how I think they choose people for Gryffindor team, said Malfoy loudly a few minutes later, as Snape awarded Hufflepuff another penalty for no reason at all. It's people they feel sorry for. See, there's Potter, who's got no parents, and there's the Weasleys, who've got no money. You should be on the team, Longbottom. You've got no brains. Neville went bright red and turned um, in his seat to face Malfoy. I'm worth 12 of you, Malfoy, he stammered. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle howled with laughter, but Ron, still not daring to take his eyes from the game, said, You tell him, Neville. Longbottom, if brains were gold, you'd be poorer than Weasley, and that's saying something. Ron's nerves were already stretched to the breaking point with anxiety about Harry. I'm warning you, Malfoy, one more word. Ron, said Hermione suddenly. Harry! What? Where? Harry had suddenly gone into a spectacular dive, which drew gasps and cheers from the crowd. Hermione stood up, her crossed fingers in her mouth, as Harry streaked toward the ground like a bullet. You're in luck, Weasley. Potter's obviously spotted some money on the ground, said Malfoy. <clears throat> Ron snapped. Before Malfoy knew what was happening, Ron was on top of him, wrestling him to the ground. Neville hesitated then clambered over the back of his seat to help. "'Come on, Harry!' screamed Hermione, leaping onto her seat to watch Harry sped straight at Snape. 
She didn't even notice Malfoy and Ron rolling around um, under her seat or the scuffles and yelps coming from the whirl of fists that was Neville, Crabbe, and Goyle. Up in the air, Snape turned on his broomstick um, just in time to see something scarlet shoot past him, missing him by inches. The next second, Harry had pulled out of his dive, his arm raised in the triumph, the snitch clasped in his hand. The stands erupted. It had to be a record. No one could ever remember the snitch being caught so quickly. Run, run, where are you? The game's over. Harry's won. We've won. Gryffindor is in the lead, shrieked Hermione, dancing up and down on her seat and hugging Brevardi Patil in the row in front. Harry jumped off his broom, a foot from the ground. He couldn't believe it. He had done it. The game was over. It had barely lasted five minutes. As Gryffindors came spilling onto the field, he saw Snape land nearby, white face and tight-lipped. Then Harry felt a hand on his shoulder and looked up into Dumbledore's smiling face. Well done, said Dumbledore quietly, so that only Harry could hear. Nice to see you have been uh, brooding about that. You nice to see you haven't been brooding about that mirror, been keeping busy. Excellent. Snape spat bitterly on the ground. Harry left the locker room alone some time later to take his Nimbus 2000 to the broom shed. He couldn't ever remember feeling happier. He'd really done something to be proud of now. No one could say he was just a famous name anymore. The evening air had never smelled so sweet. He walked over the damp grass, reliving the last hour in his head, which was a happy blur. Gryffindors running to lift him onto their shoulders, Ron and Hermione in the distance jumping up and down, Ron cheering through a heavy nosebleed. Harry had reached the shed. He leaned against the wooden door and looked up at Hogwarts, with its windows glowing red in the setting sun. Gryffindor in the lead. He'd done it. He'd shown Snape. And speaking of Snape, a hooded figure came swiftly down the front steps of the castle, clearly not wanting to be seen. It walked as fast as possible toward the Forbidden Forest. Harry's victory faded from his mind as he watched. He recognized the figure's prowling walk, Snape, sneaking into the forest while everyone else was at dinner. What was going on? Harry jumped back on the Nimbus 2000 and took off. Gliding silently over the castle, he saw Snape enter the forest at, and um, at a run. He followed. The trees were so thick he couldn't see where Snape had gone. He flew in circles, lower and lower, brushing the top of branches of trees until he heard voices. He glided toward them and landed noiselessly in a towering beech tree. He climbed carefully along one of the branches, holding tight to his broomstick, trying to see through the leaves. Below, in a shadowy clearing, stood Snape, but he wasn't alone. Quirrell was there, too. Harry couldn't make out the look on his face, but he was stuttering worse than ever. Harry strained to catch what they were saying. Don't you know why you wanted to to meet here of all places, Severus? Oh, I thought we'd keep this private, said Snape, his voice icy. Students aren't supposed to know the Sorcerer's Stone, after all. Harry leaned forward. Quirrell was mumbling something. Snape interrupted him. Have you found out how to get past the Beast of Hagrid's yet? 
but, 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 Severus, I... You don't want me as your enemy, Quirrell, said Snape, taking a step toward him. I, I don't know what you... You know perfectly well what I mean. An owl hooted loudly as Harry nearly fell out of the tree. He steadied himself in time to hear Snape say, You're a little bit of hocus-pocus. I'm waiting. But but I d- d- don't... Very well, Snape cut in. Well, uh, we'll have another little chat soon when you've had some time to think things over and decided where your loyalties lie. He threw his cloak over his head and strode out of the clearing. It was almost dark now, but Harry could see Quirrell standing quite still as though he was petrified. Harry, where have you been? Hermione squeaked. We won! You won! We won! shouted Ron, thumping Harry on his back. And I gave Malfoy a black eye. And Neville tried to take on Crabbe and Goyle single-handed. He's still out cold, but Madame Pomfrey says he'll be all right. Talk about showing Slytherin. Everyone's waiting for you in the common room. We'll have, we're having a party. Fred and George stole some cakes and stuff from the kitchens. Never mind that now, said Harry breathlessly. Let's find an empty room. You wait till you hear this. He made sure Peeves wasn't inside before shutting the door behind them. Then he told them what he had seen and heard. So you're right. It is the Sorcerer's Stone, and Snape's trying to force Quirrell to get him it. He asked if he knew anything. Um, he asked if he knew how to get past Fluffy, and he said something about Quirrell's hocus pocus. I reckon there are other things guarding that stone apart from Fluffy. Loads of enchantments, probably, and Quirrell would have done some anti-dark art spell that Snape needs to break through. So you mean the stone's only safe as long as Quirrell stands up to Snape? Said Hermione in alarm. It'll be gone by next Tuesday, said Ron. Chapter 14, Norbit the Norwegian Ridgeback. Quirrell, however, must have been braver than they had thought. In the weeks that followed, he did seem to be getting paler and thinner, but it didn't look as though he'd cracked yet. Every time they passed the third floor corridor, Harry and Ron and Hermione would press their ears to the door to check that Fluffy was still growling inside. Snape was sweeping around in his usual bad temper, which surely meant that the stone was still safe. Whenever Harry passed Quirrell these days, he gave him an encouraging sort of smile, and Ron had started telling people off for laughing at Quirrell's stutter. Hermione, however, had more on her mind than the Sorcerer's Stone. She had started drawing up study schedules and color-coding all her notes. Harry and Ron wouldn't have minded, but she kept nagging them to do the same. Hermione, the exams are ages away. Ten weeks, snapped Hermione. That's not ages. That's like a second to Nicholas Flamel. But we're not 600 years old, Ron reminded her. Anyway, what are you studying for? You already know it all. What am I studying for? Are you crazy? You realize we need to pass these exams to get into our second year. They're very important. I should have started studying a month ago. I don't know what's gotten into me. Unfortunately, the teacher seemed to be thinking along the same lines as Hermione. 
they piled so much homework on them that the Easter holidays weren't nearly as fun as the Christmas ones. It was hard to relax with Hermione next to you reciting the 12 uses of dragon's blood or practicing wand movements. Moaning and yawning, Harry and Ron spent most of their free time in the library with her, trying to get through all their extra work. I'll never remember this, Ron burst out one afternoon, throwing down his quill and looking longingly out the window. Um, It was the first really fine day they had in months. The sky was a clear forget-me-not blue, and there was a feeling in the air of summer coming. Harry, who was looking up Dittany in 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi, didn't look up until he heard Ron say, Hagrid, what are you doing in the library? Hagrid shuffled into view, hiding something behind his back. He looked very out of place in his moleskin overcoat. Uh, just looking, he said in a shifty voice that got their interest at once. And what are you lot up to? He looked suddenly suspicious. You're not still looking for Nicholas Flamel, are you? Oh, we found out who he was ages ago, said Ron impressively. And we know what that dog's guarding. It's the sorceress. Shh! Hagrid looked around quickly to see if anyone was listening. Don't go shouting about it. What's the matter with you? There are a few things I wanted to ask you as a matter of fact, said Harry. About what's guard... Um, about what's guarding the stone apart from Fluffy. Shh, said Hagrid again. Listen, come on, see me later. I'm not promising I'll tell you anything. Mind, but don't go rabbiting around here. Students aren't supposed to know. They'll think I've told you. See you later then, said Harry. Hagrid shuffled off. What was he hiding behind his back? said Hermione thoughtfully. Do you think it had anything to do with the stone? I'm going to see what section he was in, said Ron, who'd who'd had enough of working. He came back a minute later with a pile of books in his arms and slammed them down on the table. Dragons, he whispered. Hagrid was looking up stuff about dragons. Look at these. Dragon species of Great Britain and Ireland, from egg to inferno, a dragon keeper's guide, Hagrid's always wanted a dragon. He told me so the first time I ever met him, said Harry. But it's against our laws, said Ron. Dragon breeding was outlawed by the Warlocks Convention in 1709. Everyone knows that. It's hard to stop muggles from noticing us if we're keeping dragons in our back garden. Anyway, you can't tame dragons. It's dangerous. You should see the burns on Charlie's got off wild ones in Romania. But there aren't wild dragons in Britain, said Harry. Of course there are, said Ron. Come on, Welsh Green and um, Herbidian Blacks. The Ministry of Magic has a job of hushing them up, I can tell you. Our kind have to keep putting spells on muggles who spotted them to make them forget. So what on earth is Hagrid up to, said Hermione. When they knocked on the door of the gameskeeper's hut, an hour later, they were surprised to see that all the curtains were closed. Hagrid called, Who is it? before he let them in, and then shut the door quickly behind them. It was stifling hot inside. Even though it was such a warm day, there was a blazing fire in the grate. 
Hagrid made them tea and offered them stoat sandwiches, which they refused. So, you wanted to ask me something? Yes, said Harry. There is no point in beating around the bush. We are wondering if you could tell us what's guarding the Sorcerer's Stone apart from Fluffy. Hagrid frowned at him. Of course I can't, he said. Number one, I don't know myself. Number two, you know too much already, so I wouldn't tell you if I could. That stone's here for a reason. It was almost stolen out of Gringotts. I suppose you worked that out and all. Beats me how you even know about Fluffy. Oh, come on, Hagrid. You must not want to tell us, but you do know. You know everything that goes on around here, said Hermione in a warm, flattering voice. Hagrid's beard twitched, and they could tell he was smiling. We only wondered who had done the guarding, really, Hermione went on. We wondered who Dumbledore had trusted enough to help him, apart from you. Hagrid's chest swelled at the last words. Harry and Ron beamed at Hermione. Well, I don't suppose it's sick or hurt if I tell you that. Let's see. He borrowed Fluffy from me. Then some of the teachers did enchantments. Professor Sprout, Professor Flitwick, Professor McGonagall. He ticked um, them off on his fingers. Professor Quirrell and Dumbledore himself did something, of course. Hang on, I've forgotten someone. Oh yeah, Professor Snape. Snape? Yeah, you're not still on about that, are you? Look, Snape helped protect the, sor- the Sorcerer's Stone. He's not about to steal it. Harry knew Ron and Hermione were thinking the same as he was. If Snape had been in on protecting the stone, it must have been easy to find out how the other teachers had guarded it. He probably knew everything, except it seemed Quirrell's spell um, and how to get past Fluffy. You're the only ones, um, you're the only one who knows how to get past Fluffy, aren't you, Hagrid? said Harry anxiously. And you wouldn't tell anyone, would you? Not even one of the teachers? Not a soul knows except me and Dumbledore, said Hagrid proudly. Well, that's something, Harry muttered to the others. Hagrid, can we have a window open? I'm boiling. Can't, Harry, sorry, said Hagrid. Harry noticed him glance at the fire. Harry looked at it too. Hagrid, what's that? But he already knew what it was. In the very heart of the fire, underneath the kettle, was a huge black egg. Ah, said Hagrid, fiddling nervously with his beard. That's, uh... Where did you get it, Hagrid? said Ron, crouching over the fire to get a closer look at the egg. It must have cost you a fortune. Won it, said Hagrid. Last night, I was down in the village having a few drinks and got into a game of cards with a stranger think he was quite glad to get rid of it honestly but what are you going to do with it when it's hatched said Hermione well I've been doing some reading said Hagrid pulling a large book from under his pillow got this out of the library dragon breeding for pleasure and profit it's a bit out of date of course but it's all here keep the egg in the fire because the mothers breathe on them and see when it hatches, feed it out of a bucket of brandy mixed with chicken blood every half an hour, and see here how to recognize different eggs. What I got there is a Norwegian Ridgeback. They're rare, them. He looked very pleased with himself, but Hermione didn't. 
Hagrid, you live in a wooden house, she said. But Hagrid wasn't listening. He was humming merrily as he stroked the fire. So now they had something else to worry about. What might happen to Hagrid if anyone found out he was hiding an illegal dragon in his hut? Wonder what it's like to have a peaceful life, Ron sighed, as evening after evening they struggled through all the extra homework they were getting. Hermione had now started making study schedules for Harry and Ron too. It was driving them nuts. Then, one breakfast time, Hedwig brought Harry another note from Hagrid. He had written only two words. It's hatching. Ron wanted to skip Herbology to go straight down to the hut. Hermione wouldn't hear of it. Hermione, how many times in our lives are we going to see a dragon hatching? We've got lessons. We'll get into trouble, and there's nothing to what Hagrid's going to be when someone finds out what he's doing. Shut up, Harry whispered. Malfoy was only a few feet away, and he stopped dead to listen. How much have you heard? Um, How much had he heard? Harry didn't like the look on Malfoy's face at all. Ron and Hermione argued all the way to Herbology, and in the end, Hermione agreed to run down to Hagrid's with the other two during morning break. When the bell sounded from the castle, at the end of their lesson, the three of them dropped their towels at once and hurried through the grounds to the edge of the forest. Hagrid greeted them, looking flushed and excited. It's nearly out. He ushered them inside. The egg was lying on the table. There were deep cracks in it. Something was moving inside. A funny clicking noise was coming from it. They all drew their chairs up to the table and watched with bated breath. At once there was a scraping noise and the egg split open. The baby dragon flopped onto the table. It wasn't exactly pretty, Harry thought it looked like a crumbled black umbrella. Its spiny wings were huge compared to its skinny jet body. It had a long snout with wide nostrils, the stub of horns, and bulging orange eyes. It sneezed. A couple of sparks flew out of its snout. Isn't he beautiful? Hagrid murmured. murmured. He reached out a hand to stroke the dragon's head. It snapped at his fingers, showing pointed fangs. Bless him, he knows his mommy, said Hagrid. Hagrid, said Hermione, how fast do Norwegian Ridgebacks grow exactly? Hagrid was about to answer when the color suddenly drained from his face. He leapt to his feet and ran to the window. What's the matter? Someone was looking through the gap in the curtains. It's a kid. He's running back up to the school. Harry bolted to the door and looked out. Even at a distance, there was no mistaking him. Malfoy had seen the dragon. Something about the smile lurking on Malfoy's face during the next week made Harry, Ron, and Hermione very nervous. They spent most of their free time in Hagrid's darkened hut, trying to reason with him. Just let him go, Harry urged. Set him free. I can't, said Hagrid. He's too little. He'd die. They looked at the dragon. It had grown three times in length in just a week. Smoke kept furling out of his nostrils. Hagrid hadn't been doing his gameskeeping duties because the dragon was keeping him so busy. There was empty brandy bottles and chicken feathers all over the floor. I've decided to call him Norbit, said Hagrid, looking um, looking at the dragon with misty eyes. He really knows me now. Watch, Norbert. Norbert, where's mommy? 
He's lost his marbles, Ron muttered in Harry's ear. Hagrid, said Harry loudly, give it two weeks and Nervert's uh, going to be as long as your house. Malfoy could go to Dumbledore at any moment. Hagrid bit his lip. I, I know I can't keep him forever, but I just can't dump him. I can't. Harry suddenly turned to Ron. Charlie, he said. You're losing it too, said Ron. I'm Ron, remember? No, Charlie, your brother. Charlie, in Romania, studying dragons? We could send Norbert to him. Charlie can take care of him and put him back into the wild. Brilliant, said Ron. How about it, Hagrid? And in the end, Hagrid agreed they could send an owl to Charlie to ask him. The following week dragged by. Wednesday night found Hermione and Harry sitting alone in the common room long after everyone else had gone to bed. The clock on the wall had just chimed midnight when the portrait hole burst open. Ron appeared out of nowhere as he pulled Harry's, um, pulled off Harry's invisibility cloak. He had been down at Hagrid's hut, helping him feed Norbert, who was now eating dead rats by the crate. It bit me, he said, showing them his hand, which was wrapped in a bloody handkerchief. I'm not going to be able to hold a quill for a week, I'll t- I tell you. That dragon's the most horrible animal I've ever met. But the way Hagrid goes on about it, you'd think it was a fluffy little bunny rabbit. When it bit me, he told, um, when it bit me, he told me off for frightening it. And when I left, he was singing it a lullaby. There was a tap on the dark window. It's Hedwig, said Harry, hurrying to let it in. She'll have Charlie's answer. The three of them put their heads together to read the note. Dear Ron, how are you? Thanks for the letter. I'd be glad to take the Norwegian Ridge back, but it wouldn't be easy getting him here. I think the best thing will be to send him over with some friends of mine who are coming to visit me next week. Trouble is, they mustn't be seen carrying an illegal dragon. Could you get the ridge back up the tallest tower at midnight on Saturday? They can meet you there and take him away while it's still dark. Send me an answer as soon as possible. Love, Charlie. Thank you.